Hi, this is Kenny Bobian, and you're having brunch in the basement with Javon. Me too, and it's good, y'all. It's good. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Robinette, and you're chilling with us in the basement. Robinette and Javon, what's your question?
just wanna give you my life But I can't even gain your trust You believe in the teachings of this world And in man's philosophy But I'm the creator of the sun You don't even know me Who do you say I
God. I love that song. I want to thank you for tuning in to Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese, who will be joining us a little later on today. I just wanted to stop the music, stop the vibe for a minute because, you know, I needed to check in with y'all, let y'all know that somebody is here with y'all. I was just feeling, you know, I was just feeling the music right now and just playing a bunch of things I felt like um, playing. And um, quite frankly, what I'm feeling like playing right now is a little Timothy Bloom. Whoa! Here I am. 
This is Elder Bars Jr., and you're listening to Brunch in the Basement with Javon. I'm 
I'm a lady, but I still hold you down. Always been my baby, so I ain't always round. These girls be acting shady, but when I need to take a break, settle down, let it all hang out. It's you when I was broke, you paid me. Even though I worked your nerves, just painted the streets and made me. But you still know my words. Ain't nothing better than a girl who's a friend. A couple benefits, we reminisce and do it all again. And you know I like that. Ooh. You know I got that. Oh. But when you need the, Whoa. just get at me. Whoa. Whatever you need, shorty, you know I'll be right there for you. If you need love in the middle of the night. If you need a couple steps to hold you down, girl, hold right. Just want to know that you're Flying from city to city, so many different ladies And they all wanna get with me, cause how this music pays me I guess they figure with my name, they get paid And a baby, it'll all be cool, that's why your love's amazing Ain't even gotta be mine, but still got me behaving I must be out of my mind, I'm making you my lady But I'm a player type of fella, on a real And you know love, I can't play you You know I like that, Ooh. you know I got that oh. So when you need the, Whoa. just get at me Whoa. Whatever you need, shorty, you know I'll be Taxing your life cause they just write you out But they don't know you like I know you baby not at all They see your inner thigh but not your third eye And not your inner beauty Don't make them worth your cry Just do your Mary J. Blige And if you need a thing I'd be glad to oblige Just call the Lion King Go buy a couple bags A pair of shoes to match A calling call for the niggas who don't know how to act Cause you know I ain't tripping If you need a loan I help you out so he can pay attention Cause I ain't always dead But I'ma always care Cause what you can Cause ain't nobody say that life was fair And when I get back into town Off the road and them shows With these hoes up to who I must expose All my flows too You know you got it Time, money, grind Whatever you know I got it yeah. And I just wanna know Shorty, are you okay? Are you okay? Shorty, are you okay? Are you okay? Shorty, are you okay? Are you okay? This is Kendrick the Family Soul, and you're listening to Birch in the Bacon with your mom. Yeah.
That's right. Get you somebody new. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you again. We've been playing music for like an hour, and now it's the best time of the show. I'm so excited because our special guest is holding on the line. I see you. I see you. So let me just um, make sure that um, we're ready for you, Robert, because I need for everybody to know why I find you so fascinating. And what I want to do before we even start talking is let everybody know a little bit, just a little bit, and then we'll bring Robert on so that he can talk about the rest of what the world needs to know about him, I guess, right? Or what we try to pull out. So anyway, today we're joined by the legendary artist Robert Risco. Risco's work is published regularly in most major magazines, including the New Yorker, Rolling Stone magazine, Playboy, Vanity Fair, Esquire, The Interview, and he even has work that has been seen everywhere, including on television's VH1, Pop 200, Icon, and more. I mean, every if you've ever seen a, a magazine, I'm going to say you've seen some work by Robert Risco. I have to conclude that. Um, before we bring Robert on, though, we have to bring on our co-host, Therese. You with us, Raz? I'm here, babe. How are you? I am here. I am so groovy right now. So I just Saturday. Wait, oh right, same to you, same to you, baby. Um, I've been playing all this, I think, really great music this morning in anticipation for today's show. When I think about today's guest, our special guest, I think dance music and I I really think pop icon and I think disco. (laughs) But I don't know what he's going to think about that or say about that, but you've seen some work by by Robert Risco, correct? Absolutely. Who has not? his gallery of of, uh, iconic caricatures. Absolutely. He's amazing. Absolutely. He is amazing. And so, you know, I I just feel kind of bad because it's been four years since he's been on the show. And you know what, Rez, let's let's get him on. Again, he's done artwork for the New Yorker, Rolling Stone magazine, Playboy magazine, Vanity Fair, Esquire. He did this whole big um, illustration thing on VH1, which you can see it. There are books, which I have, um, because we, Cheryl and I love his illustrations, and then there were stories, and uh, it was just, I mean, anyway, and plus, he's also a great guy. So with all that being said, let me welcome to the show, let us welcome to the show, Robert Risco. Javon, can you hear can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How are you? 
I'm well, I'm well. I can see you on delay on uh, Facebook. It's so funny. I like your hair. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I did a special for you, Robert. So, you know, just in case case you decide to draw me or something, I want to look good because you make people look really, you know, sometimes interesting. And I'm, I'm sure that the artwork that you would do with me would, you know, surprise me but you know if you ever do just you know crinkle up the hair so it looks kind of nice oh it looks great it looks great <laughs> uh it, it's you know this new technology it's so funny because i'm looking at you and you're looking at the camera and it looks like you're looking right at me uh we're not quite there yet but uh it's interesting but anyway just to get back to uh you know all your the the intro it's almost too much for a Saturday morning to have all this praise and adulation. It's like I'm getting high on my caffeine and my coffee with with all this. I, just, I don't know what to do. You are I'm, crazy. You are the man. Are you kidding me? You are the man. So, Robert, before we go forward, let me introduce you to Therese. Therese is also on the line. She is known for so many different things, but she's also, she, well, I said also before I said what she's primarily, I think right now, mostly known for as being on the cable television show R&B Divas. Um, she got married live with to her wife, Monifa, R&B artist, on, on, on screen. And um, did, did we lose you? We didn't lose you, right? You're still here. And um, she's an advocate for so many different social justice um, issues. She's a model. She says she's a former model, but every every move is a picture with her. I can't stand her for that. You know, she's so darn blessed and pretty, which, Robert, is why I don't have her here with me, because then <laughs> I would get no attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking. I'm looking at her photos right now. I clicked on the link, and she's amazing looking. Therese, you, you look amazing. You, you, oh, you've got, thank you, Robert. Thank you. You got an amazing you? face. Yeah, yeah. Your you're work beautiful. is amazing. Thank you. Oh, See, I lost you. another thank one already, people. I'm just saying. See, that's that's why Therese can't be on one with me. I gotta, you know, just. Look at that! See, he he already wants to draw you. I, I I've known him for a while, and not no ink. Okay, I'm just saying. Can, can I? Can, it's now the time I can tell you when one of my favorite um caricatures that Robert's done. One of my faves, faves, faves. All right. Absolutely. Lucille well, well, okay. Ball. Right. Lucille Ball. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Are Are you a Lucy fan? Yes. Absolutely. You are. You are. Huge, huge Lucy fan. And can I say that I think that Lucille Ball was one of the most beautiful women ever. And and because she was sort of like a clown, like, you know, I I don't know. Well, she she, um, said that of herself. But, you know, as being a comedian, she referred to herself as a clown. But she was so beautiful and because of all of the buffoonery, you don't look at that. You're looking at her artistry and not so much how beautiful she was. Right. I'm a, I'm a, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, 
I'm a I'm a Lucy fan, not a Lucille Ball, the actual person fan. I'm more okay. of a Lucy fan. Okay, that's, that's, that's Lu- Lu- Lucy Lucy Ricardo. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, Lucy Ricardo. I, I have a friend actually who did a book on Lucille Ball, and you know, I had to be corrected because I referred to her as Lucy, and he said, "You mean Lucille." Because she was like, as a person, she was Lucille, and uh, her daughter they refer to her as Lucille because you just think of her as Lucy, right? Because she's so convincing in that character. Right. Right. Absolutely. I am also, I am also a Lucy fan. A Lucy, Lucille Ball. When I've seen her on talk shows, she's almost like a little bit embittered. And uh, I don't know, there's something a little dry, like if she's a little, I'm scared of her kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ditto. Wow. That, that's, that's pretty deep. That's pretty, I, but I could see that. I could 100% see that. So before we go any further, let me just um, say hello to all the people who are joining us on Facebook Live. Um, Alan Palmer, Rez, I see you. What's up, Rez? Um, Evelyn, Archie, how you doing? Robert, I see that you've joined us. Nomi, David, Nikki, Kim, Cheryl, hi, Booby. Um, thank you all for, for checking in. <laughs> I see you, Rez. So, I know, so we, we're crazy. But, um, I, I just wanted, I just wanted to say, Robert, and this is so true. Since the first time you and I spoke, not the first time, but the second time that we spoke, and and I was talking to you about your art, and you started talking about faces. I have never seen faces quite the same again. Do, do you, you recall mean, the conversation? Yes. Yes, I do now. Now that you're bringing it back, those dormant brain cells are being reactivated. Yes, I do remember you saying that. There's a a power in that, like changing people's perception. I mean, art can be very powerful. Absolutely. So let's let's, let's go back a little bit. Well, I'm going to say a little bit um, to when you first realized you could draw that you were an artist or that you had this talent? Oh, God. You know, it's funny because, you know, when I think, when I, what, are you talking? Oh, no, no, no. You know what, I'm getting, I'm getting confused because I'm watching your lips moving on Facebook and I'm listening to you. Uh, your, the uh, Facebook feed is a little behind, so I, I shouldn't do that. But anyway, uh, when I first realized I could draw was really around five years old, four or five years old. And, uh, you know, I was always that sensitive little kid. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to play. Grew up in a mill town in western Pennsylvania, and they didn't know what to do with me. And my dad worked at a machine shop, and uh, he used to bring home and stapled together these invoices because it was clean white paper, but he would use the reverse side because it was plain that I could draw and doodle on. And uh, I called them tablets. And I would get so excited when my dad would bring home tablets from work. And 
you know, when I realized I could draw, my sisters were all in awe of me, and uh, and I felt like this is my magic. This is my magic wand. This is going to be my savior because, you know, I wasn't really good at much else. Hmm. So your your sisters saw your, your drawings and were very impressed. What were you drawing at that time? I was always drawing people like I was always, but I drew people in profile because it was easier. You know, it's easier to draw, you know, the profile than the front on face. And, uh, and I drew it. And I remember what really did it was I drew an eye. Like I did the, the ellipse of an eye. I put the iris in and then I put like the black dot and the white dot. And my sister, Judy, said, oh, my God, it looks so real. It looks like it's going to jump off the page. You know, and uh, I thought, this is so easy for me. Like, this is a pencil is my magic wand. Yeah, so people were always what I was interested in. I grew up in, like, heavy-duty nature. You know, this is western Pennsylvania, lots of greenery. But I was never interested in landscapes. People's faces always fascinated me and always loved going to the airport. Uh, like if someone would come because you would always see different nationalities and different types of people's faces. And uh, I just, you know, or cities, you know, where people were walking around where you could see people on display. Cause where I grew up, most people were like in their homes, you know, you, you just saw nature outside your house, you know, and people in their cars, but but uh, I love public places where you can view. I mean, I guess people love people watching, don't they? I mean, uh, isn't that why we have cafes, you know, like in France, <laughs> that, you know, people parading down, you know, wearing something, you know, people watching people. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, uh, you know, I, I can say that since you mentioned that to me, that you love the differences in faces, right? And I think oh, yeah. it might make a little bit more to that about the that no two faces are exactly the same, or something to that um, to that point. Um, I look at faces now in a different way. So, and then I've also looked at your art, which I'm going to be showing on screen in in a little bit. Um, some some of your 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 artwork, but there are, I guess, different elements that you select, and 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 not only are you drawing what you see, you're drawing who they are, if that makes any sense. Because I get I get a sense of a personality or a part of the personality in your drawing. You know, it's like you capture something really specific about the person in in the caricatures or the 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 pick the paintings that you do. Does mm-hmm. that make sense mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, you know, there's many uh aspects to human beings. Uh you know, there are like physical traits uh that may be similar but once you hone in and look, you realize that everyone is uniquely different. I mean, it, it, it's weird. It's kind of like uh, Charles Eames, the uh, furniture designer, did this movie, The Power of Ten. It's like if you're ten 
like if you're looking at the universe from outer space, you look down, you know, at the world and it looks like one thing and then you see a crowd of people, you move closer and it all looks like another thing. And then you move closer and you move closer. My uh, point of view is the one-on-one as you're seeing, uh, I guess you're holding up the Bill Clinton uh, one-on-one. Like I want my art to confront you as if you're actually engaging with that person. I've done work where, you know, it's a crowd of people or whatever, but it's a different point of view. Uh, This is uh, one-on-one is kind of what I like best because it's very confrontive. And, yes, everybody has something different going on. You know, over the years, uh, I've come across subjects that have similarities. I could say, oh, well, this is the new Natalie Wood, or she's trying to be the new Diana Ross or whatever, but like it's the differences that stand out that I think that I uh, capture. I, I think sometimes I see too much though. <laughs> I think I've, you know, I've, trained, I've trained my eye. I would think like I have x-ray eyes. I have to wear shaded glasses now because I feel like if I, you know, look uh, at someone, like glance at someone, it's too intense. You know, I, I I sum it all up in a second. You know what I mean? Like what's going on? Style, face, wardrobe, personality. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? It's like I've just been trained from working all these years for magazines to to think that way. Well, I'm looking, I'm scrolling through some of your um, your, uh, illustrations now, and like I just passed one of Michael Jackson and Bette Midler, and I'm like, wow, like you really do capture the essence of the characters, like the most accentuated parts of their faces or even expressions you mm-hmm. like you nail it you capture it and i can and i can understand what you're saying javon about you know there's a piece of the essence of the actual person in the photo you know um they're mm-hmm. amazing they're absolutely amazing well, yeah it's more yeah. than the picture it's a story it's a, you know it's like you i don't know i i don't know how you do it <laughs> Uh, you know, no, it's funny that you—it's funny that you mentioned the word story because I'm actually reading this book now, story because, you know, I'm taking a little break as you can see from Facebook and all that because I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to go next because magazines are fizzling away and the internet is taking over and you know, the internet and the whole world of media just devours things like you, I could post a hundred things a day and it would just like eat it up, you know? So I'm, I'm sort of sitting back in myself and saying, what do I want to do? And I've come to the conclusion that story is everything and story is what people want to hear. Um, sometimes artwork can be just the icing on the cake, but it's writing and writers who are telling stories. I mean, ever since the days of the Bible and before that, you know, like people sitting around listening to stories. And I look at my work and I think, well, am I just like icing the cake? But I do try to tell a story with a single image. I don't, I think what I do is I don't tell a story. I think that when people see the work, they tell the story to themselves in in their own heads. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But, like, in other words, you look at, like, a drawing of Britney Spears and you see what it is and you say, oh, yeah, she's that girl that does this and does that. and do, you, you know what I mean? Like, the story writes itself. So 
um, I don't know if I should just continue doing the same thing that I'm doing or or try to take my hand at writing. You know, I was thinking of writing a children's book. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I think you should do a cartoon series. A cartoon Ooh, series? That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that is one thing that's on the back burner. Uh, no. But, okay, so so what do you think, what would Robert Risco's cartoon series look like? Well, it might like, I think I think that um, your series could cover anything. Your your stuff is so broad, Robert. Um, I think something that would be organically you would probably be um, covering some kind of social uh, era event, like the the artist of now um, covering an event with the characters that you see based on whatever it is um, that you're trying to convey. Um, socially, um, you could probably get away with saying things, and you know, of course, in cartoons that would um, be politically correct to say. And then the other side of that could also be introducing children to to different things too, which would be the softer, gentle uh, inner child of you to um, work through. So you could balance that out, you know, like if you were to so suddenly do something that's totally just opposed to what you've. Um, displayed so far would be the children's stories or, or, or social things that children need to need to understand about life. Um, you know, because I, I think back to like early books, and I'm probably dating myself, but that's okay too, to growing <laughs> up having books like from Judy Bloom um, for you to read about, you know, uh, introducing you to things that little girls would have to expect or, or would grow up on, so they say, depending on mm-hmm. your walk of life. But then you get, you know, then you live your life, and then you, of course, have your own, like uh, Nina Simone says, you know, art artists should reflect the times, and whatever's going on in the moment, you could write a series about that, or the, it's just, it's just so many, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's difficult to, to talk about in the moment, but I just had this epiphany of, like, um, looking through your stuff, it's so inspiring, first of all, and then it's like, wow, you could do a whole cartoon series about things that have been so crazy in today's time, you know, from the elections to just, just and cover it. And they could be like little 20 minute vignettes, you know, of just situations, you know, um, mm-hmm, from your mm-hmm. point of view, from, from your point of view, you know, um, mm-hmm, boy, mm-hmm. and with your characters, you know, uh, what you would like it to look like and, and then what it looked like to society, all of our blunders, because we have many, <laughs> you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, do you see celebrity in this, or do you see making up characters, or or taking from real life characters, or like fictitious characters, like Family Guy? Like, I mean, I'm just saying, for example, or or celebrity. Like, what, what, all, what do you think? All of I see all of the above. I because I see some celebrity blunders, but I see all of the above. I see characters that you actually originate. You know, um, that can move it along, move the storyline along. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see all of it. It's a it's a mixture, you know, because it's kind of limitless based on your own hand. You know, you can create the the nemesis, you can create the heroes, you can create what you wished it would look like if it didn't go this way. You know, and some of the horror stories we've had in this time, like there's so many things. Um, yeah, you're not limited. I mean, it could certainly be celebrity, but you know, it doesn't have to always be. You know, it because you know, we've had some huge celebrity blunders that you know could have been different if they had, let's say, the 
uh, fairy god person. <laughs> Rescue it. <laughs> or you can you can create a superhero. Create a superhero to kind of like what the world would look like if they would just act right. <laughs> you know what politics okay, would look so, like. So 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 let me throw this past you. I mean, I had started to do a children's book, and I was going to do it with me and my belated dog who passed away because it was like me, like our relationship. And I, I had this whole sort of odd couple thing that I was going to do. And uh, the whole thing was like from Rupert's point of view, not mine. But but here's the thing. I, I did go to a book publisher of children's books and present it. But and I've been aware of some of the stories that are written for kids today and talk about dating yourself. Uh, you know, the stories that we grew up on or that I did, I'll date myself, like the wizard of Oz or whatever, Cinderella, the wizard of Oz. I mean, this goes way back. I mean, all of these stories uh, led the person back to their inner peace. They were all about acceptance of, like, I mean, Cinderella was like, hard work will get you there. Like, you you don't have to be aggressive. Like, you will get to the ball if you just keep the steady, narrow path. Um, the Wizard of Oz was there's no place like home where, you know, it's not out there. You know, the answers are within you. And I still believe in that. But I think that a lot of the... Uh, stories now for kids today are about, they're the opposite. They're about empowerment. And for example, Avatar, where the uh, main character ends up staying in the world of Avatar because it's better than real life. I kind of don't know if I like that message. I thought it was very disturbing. Um, And uh, you know, that, 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 it's like outside of yourself or something. I don't know. It's it's like, mm-hmm. uh, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I think I understand. Like like uh, kids today are not taught to, uh, you know, maybe it's a Christian thing. I don't know. You know, that like, in other words, your inner peace, your home is in yourself or whatever. And now this kind of grabby, grabby, take what you can uh, and I mean, there is something to be said for self-empowerment, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, there's also something to be said for acceptance uh, because you can't control everything. Like, we all have to live together. I don't know. So I guess maybe I'm struggling with, the, with what's going on in the world because it is an age of one has to uh, – you can't just sit back and accept the world for what it is. You have to make changes. So I right. think that children's stories have to go along with that somehow. But at the right. same time, uh, y- you have to uh, – what is the thing that bothers me most? That, that Like nothing is ever enough. You know, it's like sometimes it is enough, you know, and sometimes you have to be grateful and count your blessings uh, right. too. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes, yes. I think we've gotten away from – and when you talk about being enough, I think that – Generally, that is what the ultimate struggle is. Um, people are there's this, this insatiability that you not you're not enough and you never arrive. Um, well, essentially, you don't arrive because that would be, in my opinion, dead. But once you've completed your task, you know. But the idea of you everything that you need you have in your possession already because it is instilled in your organic self. Um, is just it, you know, so 
I get it. I understand what you're what you're trying to convey. Um, but but you coming from the premise that we all are enough um, keeps us internal. You know, keeps us honed into our inner spirit, our inner self, that voice inside, as opposed to on the other side of that searching for whatever that is. It's an inside job, I've always believed, um, not uh-huh. an outside job. Right, 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 right. And uh, that that's where I stand, too. And so I think with children's books, you have to, uh, you know, and, and I guess the fear of moving ahead in that is that, you know, uh, you either do it and then bring it around and find a publisher that wants it. But a lot of times, like publishing companies, you know, especially big ones have their agendas, you know, of what they want, you know, I mean, and they have people to just basically do that. Like, and there are agendas, there are things. And, you know, I haven't really looked at enough children's stories to see exactly, but, but people are very aware of them now too. I think that when I was little, like, you know, we would read these children's books, but my parents never really thought of the message or whatever. They just thought if it was fun or if the characters were funny, but meanwhile, there was a message going on. Some parents were aware of it. Mine were not. I actually am happy that they weren't because I feel like I don't want every, everything to be a lesson in life. You know, like sometimes just silly fun uh, is, is enough too. You know what I'm saying? Right. Definitely. And and I, I agree. I think that um, you can actually do whatever you want. And I think I would encourage the cartoon idea. Um, one of the good things about the Internet, though, is that you don't necessarily need a publisher. True. What you need, what you need is to gain a following. And once you are able to do that, um, a publisher will pick you up. They want what sells. They may have ideas of what will sell, but essentially if you are able to show them that you have um, acquired a following, they will pick whatever it is up that you do. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Actually, that just gave me this idea. Like, I would love to do a Saturday morning cartoon for kids, like, based on current events. Wouldn't that be funny? That would be excellent. That's along the vein of what I'm talking about because I grew up on Saturday morning cartoons. I grew up on the Schoolhouse Rock, and they are absolutely missing. They're missing, you know, and I think that from with your flair, I mean, right now, even um, they have the Adult Swim. I'm not sure if that's still up and going, but, I mean, we're in an era where you can create your own situations, you know, and by the time you finish or get your idea off, somebody is trying to figure out how they can incorporate your idea and what they're doing for the big picture. So like the idea is to create the art and you, they, it will find you, your plot find you, you know, um, because a lot of times publishing companies, I mean, that's the older model of them. Yeah, sure. Trying to go for the artist, trying to go to them and get things, you know, going and for them to, um, with respect to their agendas, for them to reject it or respect it or want you to come along. Now, with the technology going on, you can create your own world. You have your own platform to do it and they come find you, you know, and you negotiate your deal or not, you know, because being independent also, you know, depending on how it's spun out there, you know, good PR, 
good following, like Jay said, you know, just a lot of different things going on. And plus you already have a notable uh, resume, you know, a not- you have a notable work already. So it's not like you're coming from obscurity. You're not, you know. You can right. make anything happen, you know. You can make anything happen. I'd love to, like, you know, pick your brain and spend some time if you're a local, you know, just to kind of hash out because I, I can totally see it. Like, your work just totally inspires me. That's, you know, this, that's an amazing idea. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say that this, this picture that I'm showing right now, the Judy Garland, I don't know if it's up yet. Yes. The singing over the rainbow. This, for some reason right now, is just striking me. I don't know if it's the first time I'm ever seeing it, but it is completely amazing. Well, I, I, I love this. I mean, this is like a personal favorite of mine. I mean, you know, I mean, because she was so, uh, you, I mean, what a person, what a singer, what a performer, what a life, you know. I mean, she, you know, just, uh, and we were talking about Wizard of Oz. I mean, what she carried with her and was uh, was just amazing. So, yes, and I, I do love this piece myself for, for many reasons. You know, you don't I, really, I... You don't really see I'm her sorry? captured this way. I mean, you don't really see her captured this way. Like, when most people draw Judy Garland, you know, they'll draw her like Shirley Temple or like the character that she's playing, but they don't get this. Uh, you know, Judy so Garland, to me, yeah, she Judy Garland to me was a combination of uh, this very chic uh, diva singer that traveled the world and a Midwestern English teacher. Uh, I get it. You know what I mean? You're like every diva, every diva has those two sides, and that's what makes a diva likable to the public. Look, you can't just be like Grace Jones, who I love, is uh-huh. like no one no one yeah, but no one can be her because I mean she's so beautiful and she, like most ordinary girls wouldn't relate to her. But like like in other words, a Madonna, you know, is someone who like, oh, she's just like the girl next door and she can be you know, put on the makeup and be a movie star. This is what is more popular, you know, so that that people can identify with the. And for Judy Garland, I think it was that that sort of like that dowdy English teacher. Like she was like with her hair piled high, she was like kind of a, a, a biddy, you know, in a way, like almost a conservative biddy. But then all of a sudden, she was talking about her hairdresser and going to Paris. I mean, it was a it was a strange uh, combination, you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Right. So let me ask you, because normally when I look at your pictures, I know automatically who who it is. Is this Harvey Milk? He played Harvey Milk. This is uh, the movie Milk, uh, but it's okay, actually okay. Sean, Penn, Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Okay. Okay. I, I thought it was a reference, but I get it now. So yeah. you know personally a lot of the artists that you draw, correct? Not really, not really. That's a that's a mythbuster. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's a okay. mythbuster. I mean, like you know, it's sometimes people think that, and I don't, I don't really ever uh, uh, tell people that you know I don't. 
because and there's certain celebrities, yeah, that I've run across and, and, and here and there, but but a lot of times I like being more of an observer because once you get to know people, you know, then you think, well, maybe I should be a little more kind to them or maybe I should, like, <laughs> we're, you know what I mean? Like, I try to, um, I try to, you know, draw people as the public would see them, not the way they see themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I get but that. Pu- pu- public image. Now, for example, like, I mean, a lot of people, like, let's go to Diana Ross, for example. Like, I mean, uh, I always loved Diana. I, I was a Supremes lover growing up and all that stuff. But, you know, she... She she got a bad reputation, and then Mary Wilson wrote that book. I mean, to me, and there she is on the screen, Diana should, like, she would have never done this, but I would have loved to see her in The Wiz play The Wicked Witch. I would have loved to see her be this beautiful, dark, wicked witch. You know what I mean? Like, bordering like a Grace Jones. I mean, to me, she could have been like this. Like almost like a tarantula, like a spider. I mean, it would have been so fascinating. But I get but that. she, you know what I mean. But she she insists on the public thinking that she's this, you know, like the good girl, the Dorothy, that you know, the sweet little girl, that you know, this and that. And I don't think people really buy it. And like, whereas <laughs> you know what I mean, like whereas Michael Jackson, on the other hand, when he had all those rumors about himself and this and that. He made that video, Leave Me Alone, and incorporated all the things that people thought about him. Like, he was a smart person who knew how how to spin his image and make it work for him. Instead of denying things, he would almost, you know, go along with them because, you know, and then then flip them. Whereas, like, I, I think that was really where Diana Ross lost momentum is that she, after, uh, Central Park and everything, you know, she, she, um, you know, insisted on, you know, like having the park named after her and being a do good person and this and that. Whereas, like, I think people want to see the bad Diana. They want to see, like, the, yeah, she, like, clawed her way to the top Diana. You know what I mean? Like, true Diana lovers, like myself, want to see that. You know, we, we don't want to see this sweet, uh, you know, like, you know, whatever. I, I think. To, to me, anyway. I don't know. Were you out there in the Central Park shows? Was I? Yes. My brother went. My brother went. Yeah, he said he said he almost got, like, trampled to death. There were, like, stampedes. Uh, yeah. But I great. enjoyed, you know what I mean? I don't think I, you could have got close enough to really make it. I mean, that that was, like, too huge. I'm crowd-phobic, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had the nerve I mean, I to think... go out there on crutches. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Are you serious? Did you go the first day on... or the, the first or the second day? The first day. When it rained? Yep. Poured down rain on crutches. Yep. Oh, my God. You are brave. <laughs> and she stayed and sang, and we thought the whole entire uh uh, lighting gear was going to come down on her head, but those were some of the, the best iconic shots of her in that rain in Central Park. Oh, yeah. Like, how did she have that? She was, like, not going to let that stop her. 
And I felt like, oh, my gosh, she could just get electrocuted, couldn't she? I mean, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that was a, <laughs> she well, was in, there we, she was, she she was, was almost such a, a witch. Zone. A, she was almost a witch there. So we get to see a little of the bad Diana, right? It was almost like sort of something menacing, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Diana in the Listen. storm and the hair and the wind. Perfect. Yeah, it was it was a little witchy. It was a little witchy. <laughs> well, that's that's when you knew that Diana wasn't a punk, right there. You, that's when you knew that she was not a punk. Like that's when exactly. all the diva, all the diva went right out of the window in in the sense where you knew that she wasn't a punk. She wasn't running from the wind because it was whipping. If she wasn't running from the wind or the rain, she stood there. She bared all the storm, and she was still singing. <laughs> no, I know that that's kind of amazing. Uh, I saw her at uh, Radio City Music Hall, when was it, when she had um, me hire out, and I got to go to the Motown Cafe. Tracy Jordan, up at uh, Sirius, was a part owner in Motown Cafe, and there was an after party for her, and I was, like, so happy. But um, when she um, was there performing, there was, uh, like, a six-foot uh I don't transvest. I don't know. Like he had straight hair and black as midnight. You couldn't see his face with it was like a purple like gown on who, who was like getting all the attention in the audience. And, and Diana finally just said, stopped her song and said, who is it? Okay. Bring her, him uh, it up here, whatever. And like allowed him to come on stage because I mean, people were like looking at him more than her. And so he comes up and he's got this straight hair and she's like, uh, okay, who are you supposed to be tonight? And he said, like, I'm Miss, um, he goes, I'm Miss Diana at the uh, something at the Grammy Awards with my straight hair. And, and he did a spin on stage, and she goes, okay, that's enough. They're not paying to see you. OMG. <laughs> oh, it was genius. It was genius. She knew how to handle it. She was, like, so cool. Like, she didn't get mad. She was just like, okay, let's just deal with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> funny, funny. So, wow. so this, this picture that I'm showing now doesn't really need a lot of explanation. But <laughs> really, Robert, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. I, you know what? Is this for sale? Because I, I might need to buy this to have on the wall somewhere, or in my wallet. I take a wallet size, quite frankly. You know, you know, you know, Javon. It's like you're making me look at this now, and it's so funny because it's like, you know, when I have been, you know, working for like 30 years. I mean, now I've slowed down because, like I said, magazines are just dwindling away. But like. You just do these things, and they just, like, you spit them out. You don't even think about them. You know, it's just, like, automatic. And when I look at this now, I'm thinking, you know what? This was kind of genius. Like, her eye and the CBS eye, and that it was CBS, and that it just worked out, and it's, like, this, like, simple little logo. I mean, I I imagine, like, you know, like, 10 years from now, you know, when I'm 80 years old, I'll look back, and I'll be like, how the hell did I do this? You know, like, how the hell? You know what I mean? Like, how the hell? You you just don't think when you're doing this because people, like, I don't like to really do interviews. I do with you because I like talking to you, but 
I don't like when artists get on and sound real pretentious about their work, you know, and be like, oh, yes, I was trying to say this or trying to say that. It was like, you know what? To me, it's like a bodily function. It's like taking a crap, you know. It's like it's something I just ha- it's, it's like something I have to do. It's something I have to do. I got to get this out of me, you know. Like, yes, oh, yes, I get it. I get it. Oh, my God, I love it. I love yes. it. So, and and I I know that you don't like explanations, and yes. really, but yes. I love this. I love this one also. I love this. Oh, Barack, Barack. Yes, yes, yes. With the gender thing going on here, it's beautiful. And that it is like sort of graffiti graffiti at the same time yeah 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 yeah. actually let me see a lot of these i don't even remember i don't even like this was for the new yorker and um yeah i think that he was what did he did he was it the military i'm not sure exactly what the story was but you know he was such a great president i miss him he was the only president i like he wasn't a politician he talked to people intelligently he chose his words carefully. I mean, you know, he, he was like the, the first time that you never really felt that you were being lied to by a slimy politician. And, right. uh, you know, he, he tried to be as honest as he could. And, you know, he was careful with his words. But, I mean, we're, are we ever going to get that again? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I, just that question is what, funny because... Where we are now, comparatively speaking, is like, I mean, it's not funny, funny. It's, I don't know. Uh, well, I, we, like, no, we, we, did a, we did a total 380. I mean, we did a total 380. Uh, you know, it's so funny because the way Obama sort of accepted him in the end, you know, gracefully was like, okay, well, this is what, like, I think President Obama is smart enough to know that, oh, that, Trump really was playing on, like, the, the ignorant people in this country. Like, he knows how to talk to them. Of course he knows how to talk to them because they work for him. He knows their <laughs> gripes. He knows their complaints. You know what I mean? Like, he knows how to he, – he worked that character that he has now to, like, talking to him with his voice. And I'm very voice conscious. You know, like, I love voice. I, I think voice is – like honesty, and I and I have to say, Hillary didn't do it with the voice. I kind of knew that Trump was going to win because, like, even I, I would watch CNN and they would go to his rallies, Trump's rallies when he was, and I thought, oh my God, he's like he's doing it like this Baptist preacher, and he's like really riling these people up, like you know, take our country back. And they would CNN would like sort of shut it off and do their own commentary, and I would be like, no, I want to see this. Like, I want to see what's going on, you know. And um, so, in, in that way, I have to say that it made me uncomfortable that the media, and of course, I work for the media, was kind of like, uh, you know, brushing him off because I knew the power of the voice, and he talks into the microphone the way a preacher talks to you like they're talking to you. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. He he knows how to, and then build it up. You know, he knows how to talk to those downtrodden people in this country that aren't working. And Hillary didn't, 
and she didn't have it with the voice. She just didn't have it with the voice. And and I was like, you know, I thought, oh my god, like she's gonna lose, like because she she's not connecting. And uh, and I just, you know, it's all showbiz. It's all smoke and mirrors. But um, but I think that Obama was speaking to me. You know, I mean, he was talking to a, a Channel 13 intelligent, uh, you know, person who, person who thinks things out, you know, like, in other words, who, like, thinks before they act and all that stuff. But um, uh, but I guess the, the people that Trump is speaking to uh, don't, like, they don't hear that. They don't hear uh, care for articulation and intelligence. They, they just hear something else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and so, it's a, so, it's a, an eye-opening time in our country. I'll say that. But but I can't believe that like uh, this Starbucks incident in Philadelphia. Like I'm thinking, are we going back to like the 1950s? You know, with the uh, you know uh, like um uh, what should we call it? Where uh, where Jim Crow and where people segregation and you know where people are are um, outspoken and brazen in their racism, and you know they right, they feel right. comfortable with it. And and yeah, well, I think to some degree yes. And you know, I think that it you know it is what it is. And now we have to stand up and let people know once again that this is not okay. And I think one way that we do that is with the blue wave, we continue to be outspoken um, and call people on their shenanigans. Um, I think that this is going to be short-lived. I I guess maybe I'm naive and just optimistic that, Uh, you know. Let let me interrupt just for a second because, Growing up in Western Pennsylvania, I know how people think. And, you know, the thing is this. It's uh, technically considered, I mean, you know, what you would think of as like white America, but it's not really. It's not really because it's still a melting pot of people. You know, it's a melting pot of, uh, you know, Italians and Eastern Europeans like myself. You know, it's like uh, who is really white? I mean, you know, and, and actually there's a lot of interracial marriages going on now in Western Pennsylvania and they voted for Obama, but I think they just voted for Trump because they thought he was going to bring jobs back, you know, and, and that was like the main thing. Like they don't have work there. The steel mills moved out a long time ago and there's really no substantial work for people who just want to work that aren't college educated, you know, and so he made that promise and that was the thing. Now the question is, will Trump be able to in there, like, especially with those people, like he didn't really come good on those promises. Uh, is he going to try to make them believe it? Is he going to rig our system so that he becomes a dictator? Is he going to destroy democracy with all his lies? I mean, this is, this is really, it's a fight between that mentality and the media and, you know, the intelligentsia. And and that's where, so I don't think it's uh, so much that, uh, you know, like racism, like going back, because like I said, I think the country has changed. I think if everyone was working, people would be happy. I really do. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. 
Yeah. And you hear, this is like the, and I'm sitting here and I'm listening to all of this, and this is the sixth episode you've already written. You do realize that. The, the what episode? Oh, this is this, <laughs> from the topic that you've covered thus far, this is like the sixth cartoon episode that you've written the satire. <laughs> the, the sixth okay, episode. See, this I know. I should, I should write these things down. I should write them down. But anyway. No, no, no. You, you actually only have to write them in the in the story storybook form of it. But right now, you've already done six episodes. I'm just letting you know. I'm keeping count here. I'm just your friendly <laughs> neighborhood poking of the okay. bear here. So, you know. But you've okay. already written six, and uh, and just with your point of view solely, and it has to be organic because that's that's where it stays fresh, you know. Yes. Just yes. just your thoughts on the matter. Yes, yes, yes. But but that's the whole thing. If everyone was working, everybody would be happy, and everybody would be getting along. I mean, this is really the main thing. What it boils down to, and right now, it's the extremely wealthy living in fear, grabbing all the money. Trying, doing away with the middle class and, uh, you know, growing up in the 60s was a happy time. Steel mill workers were getting a lot of money. You know, they would, you know, get their pay and, you know, blow it on the weekend and, you know, they could afford their families. And, you know, I'm just talking about the regular working people in this country. People want to work. I think that if we did infrastructure, like people would work and people would be happy. Why isn't that happening? Like why, why isn't it happening? Because, you know, the rich are just taking the money for themselves so they can, like, you know, uh, be part of the extremely wealthy elite. But who said, someone said, uh, and I forget who it was, I'm going to quote someone, that people will find out in the event once they've accumulated all the money and deleted all the resources that you can't eat money. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, so it's it's like you know you can't escape this this living world that we're in. Like I don't understand, like you know, so so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid a little bit about you know where this country's going. If democracy will still be able to find its way here, um, I don't know. I'm afraid. We'll see. I think th- I think we're gonna flip it. I'm optimistic that people have had enough of what has been written as fact. People are examining a lot more of what what you put in front of them. I think that the country's skirt is up um, on the agenda from what they've written in our books for us to learn all the way through to how they do politics right now. I think the kids are going to flip this. They're living in a keep it real kind of uh, transparent uh, culture right now. And, you know, the blow-ups are plentiful, I think, with the – with the mass way that people are using social media right now, they're examining everything that's being said. And as they should, we, we should have been more tenacious when we were coming up with examining things like Columbus discovering stuff, which is a complete farce. We know that now, but, you know, I just think we, I think the kid, I'm excited about some of the things that are coming out of the kids, you know, um, the walkouts in school, the protests, I'm excited about all that because it, it says that, you know, no more. Um, it doesn't require 50 meetings in a boardroom to, to make a decision that's going to affect people that whose kids aren't even in the same system, you know. Like these are our right. schools being shot up, and I think the kids are the ones that speak volumes about it. The whole entire 
Department of Education needs to be revamped. It needs to be more culturally inclusive. It, it's so many things that I'm excited about them just dismantling um, the system that we've all been in um, that has basically been basically stone, stone age. It, it's time for it to change. It's time for it to be all-inclusive. And it's time. So however that looks, it's going to be messy before it gets better. But however it looks, the idea that people are starting to question is exciting to me. The idea that people are are removing those veils um, and taking the risk at whatever comes their way. It's it's exciting to me. So I'm you know, and any any person, young person, younger person, I'll say that I'm uh, that I encounter, that I engage with, you know. That's it. Seems to be a through line with what's present, you know, and and uh, and they need the focus direction from folks that have been here, um, like you, I, you know, several of us that can continue to encourage them to do that part because this is ultimately the changes that are going to come. You know, like I, one of the kids that was on the um, television I was watching, uh, that did the walkout. She said, um. Well, you know what? If he doesn't get it together, I'll be 18, and I'm going to organize my peers, and we're not going to vote. You know, and and she's absolutely right because you know you do this, and these are these are high school kids that you, these are that are affected by this, and then what? They're 18 in a minute, and they can get out, and they right. can do their own votes, and you've pissed them off to the point where, like, look, <laughs> you know, if you think you don't have to care about them, you do because they're going to be the people that are going to be organizing across the country to demonstrate how how bad they uh, want to see change. So if nothing Listen, else, level I, the playing field. I am glad to see that because for years the kids did nothing. I mean, this is the first time they stood out because I used to think, like, why aren't they doing, like, what we did? Like, you know, basically, uh, you know, I was too young to be a hippie, but uh, my older sister's age, I mean, they – sort of turned away from the corporate world. And I, I did too, and my generation did too, because we copycatted them. But uh, basically, it would be like asking kids today to give up their cell phone, give up their clothes. Uh, girls didn't wear bras or makeup. And, you know, just like in other words, say no to all this stuff that was put upon them and just go and live freely, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever. Like, kids today are very addicted to their things. Now, social media can be a good tool, yes, if uh, used, like, for organizing and all that stuff, but we haven't really heard their voices until now, and it is refreshing, but it took a long time. Mm-hmm. It took a long yeah. time. Very I'd long agree. time. So, I, I just, you know, it, I'm upset because we're out of time, and... This is such a rich discussion, as always, Robert. We have to have you come back on again very, very soon because I love you. I just think, I think you're, the, you're dope, you know, and you're honest, and it comes through in your art. That's another thing that struck me as I'm listening, as I'm watching, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your art. And um, I I just want to thank you again, and you too, Therese. But my mother my mother actually told me that she was listening to the show one time, and she turned it off because Therese and I were just so busy having a love fest that she was like, oh please, she she, she was like, I I already had sugar in my milk, so I'm not gonna go. 
I'm I'm not gonna go too deep there, but um, I wanna I wanna thank both of you. Um, Robert, could you tell us how? I mean, people can can find you and your artwork on the internet or or however. Okay, well, I do have a website, but it's just very uh, format website. I haven't really done anything with it. It's just it's robertrisco.com, and it's Robert R I S K O, not C O. Robertrisco.com. On there is my email address, which is robertrisco at verizon.net. Uh, the link doesn't work. I really need to get that website in order. But the thing is, someone said, you know turn it into a blog thing and all that. But part part of it is like, I don't want to, I don't have time to like just constantly interact right now. I would rather work on a project like we were talking about, you know, and then like bring it to the internet. But you can, you know, of course, Google me. I noticed that you were showing Google pages of my work, but robertrisco.verizon.net and robertrisco.com are uh, the best ways to get in touch with me. I am old fashioned in that I look at email more than text. I don't even keep my cell phone on that much because I just, you know, don't want to be, I'm not a doctor. I don't need to be on call. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I do look at my uh, email all the time um, and uh, still sit at a laptop. So there's that. Uh, The one thing you didn't mention about uh, all the things that I've done in magazines is that last, uh, fall, I had a show which was fantastic at the Kennedy Center in the uh, Great oh. Hall. They blew my things up gigantic because for uh, 20 years now, I've been doing the Mark Twain Awards for uh, Achievements in Comedy where they award someone, and it's usually aired on Channel 13 in November, but the show is taped in October. And that was amazing. I wasn't expecting to get such a, a big boost there, and uh, because I'm so used to just working and you never really get credit, but these things were gigantic and, uh, you know, they blew up all the work that I had done, uh, you know, so you could see that on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Facebook right now, but I will resume. I will resume. I'm on Instagram, uh, at Risco NYC, R I S K O N Y C. And I usually do post like, uh, celebrity birthdays every day there. Great. So everyone, look up Robert Risco. Also, we didn't mention, well, we did mention, but not much about the um, VH1 special that you did several years ago, but it's still really, really good. If you look up, I think, what is it, the VH1's Iconic, oh my God. Uh, Actually, actually, okay, so you know what, I did post them on my uh, YouTube account, which is, if you go to YouTube backslash R Risco, R R I S K O, and then you'll see uh, some television things that I've done. And again, I should be posting more stuff on there. But I did uh, post the VH1 pop icons that I did. Pop icons. There you go. I could. I'm so. I'm sorry. I'm so old. Oh, please, I feel like I'm please. aging rapidly. Please. But um. <laughs> also, why don't you let everybody know how they can. Stay in touch with you. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm on uh, Instagram at T Michelle, Therese Michelle, T E R E Z M Y C H E L L E. That's Instagram, T Michelle. Um, Twitter and Facebook is Therese Michelle. And for me, you can just tune in every every Saturday at this time. And, um, 
just chat with me and hang out with me and you know, send me some positive vibes because uh, I, I Javon, love. Let me, <laughs> Javon, let me, yeah? let me ask you this: uh, Can we access old shows of yours? Absolutely, absolutely. You can you can go to Blog Talk Radio, and you can subscribe to Brunch in the Basement with Javon. You will have every show I've done in the past. Um, you oh. can also, yeah, you can also go to Tune In Radio, which is my now favorite way to access prior shows, and look up Brunch in the Basement with Javon, and just subscribe to it, and you can or favorite it or whatever it is there, and you can get all all of the older episodes. Um, I like Tune In Radio. Because um, it's sound, the sound quality, I think, is a little better. So tune in radio, yeah, and and then you just look up in the basement with Javon or brunch in the basement with Javon, and you should be able to get all of the old shows. And what I will do is um, today post links to both um, tune in radio in the base in the basement with Javon and. Um, I believe the blog talk radio is already up there. So if, if you want, if you're looking specifically to, to the prior show that you were on, um, I can find that and post that as well. Uh, not me. There was, there was one show and I listened to it because, you know, I'm a, a big fan of Peebo Bryson. Like, I, I mean, oh, yeah. this thing for a male thing, and I know you interviewed him and I think I listened to it, but I wanted to listen to it again. Uh, you know, his voice, there's no one to me, like the male voice. Uh, he's one of my favorite male singers. Right. Interesting and, story about those shows, um, Robert, is that the one where I say Peebo Bryson joins us, he actually did not call into that show. Um, he called me after that show to explain why he missed the show, which nobody oh, heard. But yeah, exactly. So you get a lot of people writing music in that show. Now there was a he called he called into the show the next day, which was a Sunday gospel show, where I spoke to him. But it was really awkward because it was a gospel show. <laughs> so it really it it was it was really awesome. It was really an, an awesome show, but you know it was weird. Um, what, he actually was it, was it- on that show, it was weird. Was it on air? Was he on air on the gospel show? Yes, he was. I can I can get that one for you. I can I can get uh, one okay. and post that as well. Yeah, I'll do yeah, that. I'll find sure. it. I thought, I thought for sure I heard it. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to hear it because um, yeah, no, no, no. I've I've looked at YouTube things where like he's in concert and everything, and I just think like he just like has an amazing uh, amazing. He's an amazing singer. I love him. Let me just oh, say yeah. that I completely melted when he sang Happy Birthday to me. He is the one and only man to ever have me slide <laughs> off the chair. That was wow. like, oh, when he sang Happy wow. Birthday to me, it was, I was like, I think I said, what did I say? I said, okay, now what do you want for my birthday? And he cracked up because it was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, whatever it is, you got it. You are the man. So that was that. But um, oh my God. I want to thank, 
Thank you both for calling in. Thank you both. Therese, thank you every single week. I love you. You know, you. that's what's up. And we got to talk after the show to find out, you know, to, to make a decision about Wednesday night and whatever. And um, Robert, let's stay in touch. I love you, man. You you guys Absolutely. are just Thank you both. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> we will chat Love again. It. Let's 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 end with I know what. Let's take it back. I think I think the three of us can all appreciate a little back in the day music. And I don't know why I'm feeling Lionel Richie right now, but I'm gonna go with the Commodores and Brick House. How about that? To end the show. Oh, good, 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 good. Let's roll. do it.